think that sometimes you got to be the change you want to see. And I can't even name right now a black, queer, masculine-ish woman, you know, anybody, a, a gay black female journalist who's on TV right now. I can't name one. I can tell you some guys, but I can't mm-hmm. tell you about the women. Cause I think mm-hmm. even when it comes to that, there's still a Eurocentric expectation or, you know, even if you are natural on TV, you still got to be able to press your hair. And so mm-hmm. for me, I've leaned more into entertainment. What's up everybody. And welcome to the Queerly Black Show. I'm your host, Ashley, and I'm so happy you came by. The Queerly Black Show aims to normalize the everyday existence of Black, LGBTQIA plus individuals through an interview-style series with regular folks like you and me. So every week, a new guest shares their story and unique perspective on their existence as an LGBTQIA plus individual. Thank you for tuning in, and make sure you subscribe, download, set your reminders to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of the Queerly Black Show. I'm your host, Ashley. I'm joined today by a very special guest. We got Georgia Dawkins in the building. Georgia, tell them, tell the people a little bit about yourself. Hey guys, my name is Georgia Dawkins and I am the Purpose Producer. I am in position to help other be- other people reach their destiny and I'm so excited to be here on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Ashley absolutely excited to have you excited for our conversation i think that we're gonna help some people today i think we're gonna help some people today but before we get there we gotta start at the beginning gotta go all the way back to the beginning when did you know you liked the ladies child when i was was playing hide and go get it with everybody hey what was you going to get that's the question it wasn't even just about the ladies but like i knew it at a very early age and i'm talking like elementary school first and second grade the the hide and seek the playing house i knew that i had interest in both and you know for me i feel like sexuality is a spectrum and so now at this point in my life i definitely lean more towards lesbian i always kind of feared labels for a long time and I tried to stay away from them but I knew in elementary school I had I had girlfriends in elementary school I also had boyfriends in elementary school and player, so, player. you know <laughs> I've been that girl you know okay <laughs> pulling them pulling them at the playground okay yes, sir. There, there, there are no limits mm-hmm. uh but definitely around middle school is where that um curiosity started to evolve a little bit and when I, um, you know, came out to my parents, my mama tried to act like she was in denial. And I was like, so you gonna act like the school didn't call you about that letter I wrote to the teacher. Oh, the teacher. Whoa. I wrote a teacher, a four page letter and told her to leave her husband. Wait, I told this lady I was going to take care of her and her kids. Okay. Not <laughs> only is that gay, but it's delusional. Uh, <laughs> about first grade, second grade. No, I was in seventh grade. All uh, right. You was, you and- mean. McDonald's she wasn't was even kinda, my teacher. McDonald's <laughs> teaching was, I mean, you could have, you could have got a job at McDonald's in like two years. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't, <laughs> a light bill or something. I wasn't prepared. Yeah. So it's been a long time coming for me. Yeah, man. Wow. You wrote the letter, told her to leave her husband. Four pages. Four, Four pages. pages. Convincing yeah. the lady to leave her husband. Girl, I got you. You got, man. How, how did that me. work out? They called me right to the principal's office, right, okay? Like, like, and they told my mama. So she gonna right. act like she didn't get that phone call, lady. Come out of denial. They're Come like, this out. is a little, this is like her, reverse harassment. Is it harassment if it's a kid? Like, 
It's just like bullying the teachers. Like, what are we doing right now? <laughs> that's what's up. That's what's up. I, I, what's up? Bullying. It was an invitation. It was an invitation. Come on, slide over here. I got you. I got you. You know what I mean? Give me two years. I'll be able to work at McDonald's. Let's let's make it happen. <laughs> are you from? Uh, where are you from, Georgia? I am from Florida. So I'm Florida, from a small okay. town in Florida. Um, you know, ten. Uh, population 10,000, 16% black. So I didn't have a very, I, I would say black experience. I grew up in a predominantly white area. Yeah. How was, uh, as far as growing up, you obviously knew that um, your sexuality, you kind of had a, a um, inkling about that very early. How was that accepted in your community being small and then not being very black? Oh my gosh. The trauma, honey, How, where can, where do we start? Uh, <laughs> But I was definitely raised in a church. I was raised Pentecostal, Church of God. Mm. Um, so my parents kept me, you know, in, in church at the altar. And I was also like a little preacher. I love church. I love the, the theatrics of church. And I also love the spiritual connection. But as I mentioned in middle school is when I, I started to, you know, really feel those feelings heavy. You know, puberty is happening and you're really starting to like, you know, settle into yourself. And so for me, I feared that coming out so much that I leaned more into the church. I was like, I will be able to fast it away, pray it away, shout it away, you know? And I, I started that as early as 12. So really diving into ministry. So when you say, how was it accepted? It was, it was not, mm -hmm. <laughs> it was not accepted, but I think that's also scary because you know, some things happened to me. There were some times where I was taken advantage of because nobody was having those conversations about older women, you know, taking advantage of you because of, you know, you being in the closet as a young queer person. So there were some things that I felt could have been avoidable that if the situations were reversed, if it. What up? It's your host, Ashley. And I'm interrupting this podcast to ask, are you following us? Have you downloaded the podcast? Are you subscribed to us on YouTube? If you've not already, go ahead and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Follow us on all platforms, Queerly Black. I'm going to let y'all get back to the show. Peace. It was a male, older male, you know, wanting to spend extra time or wanting to come over or, you know, those situations would have been handled differently. Right. Yeah, 100%. 100%. I think even if, even if uh, you know, that denial of the, um, even just the conversation, regardless of how you feel, definitely invites um, things because then people turn a blind eye to situations that really, if you were objectively looking at that without bias, you would be like, mm, that seems just a little bit strange. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so then you, going into ministry, obviously just, you know, trying to, um, you know, make your family happy, you know, you want to, you kind of, you want to just fit in and kind of go with the flow and make, you know, appease the people that, you know, keep a roof over your head, quite frankly. Um, how was that transitioning out of that for you uh, from, you know, from then till now going through high school and just kind of understanding yourself more? I would say, you know, even though I was in church more than the average child, I'm talking three times a week. I was there for Bible study. I was there for revival in high school, like a teenager just, uh -huh. just love church like that. You know, that didn't make the feelings go away. Yeah. That didn't make the thoughts go away. And <laughs> it really wasn't until college that I started to accept who I was, who I am. Um, it was around 2008. Um, I was going through a very, very bad depression um, in college and 
oh my God, I was just the heaviness. When I think about how I dressed and just how I felt, I was just crying all the time. And a part of that was the denial of my truth. You know, I wasn't living fully, you know, to be who, who I know I am. And so it wasn't until 2010 that I decided to actually come out and I first came out to God. And that was the first time, the closest that I've ever felt to God. Like I felt like that truth, that acceptance of myself brought me closer to the God around me and the God within me because I was in so much denial about that. And I felt that God was saying to me, I love all of you. Like you don't have to, you know, pretend for me, you know, the church may have certain expectations, but that's religion, you know, over here is relationship. And so that's where it started. Mm -hmm. It started for me coming out to myself and then, you know, coming out to God and eventually, you know, my family and so on. Yeah. Talk about a little bit about how that denial plays on you. Right. Because I think there, that people who experience that understand what that is, but people who don't experience it don't understand how hard it is to live with that. Like talk about that for you, like living in that denial and recognizing that it's denial and not just like, I don't understand these feelings. Like I know what I'm doing here and I know how it makes me feel. Talk about that. Oh my gosh, girl. (laughs) I'm already like feeling emotional because it's, you know, we're talking about childhood. We're talking about, you know, uh, adolescence to high school to, to college. And here I am now 35, just now dealing with some of that denial. And so it makes me a little sad for that girl who I was then because she didn't have permission. She didn't have the confidence or, or, or the knowledge, you know, um, to, to walk in that, in that truth. And so it was, it's, it was a huge part of my depression, uh, which I have been dealing with my whole life. But knowing that at the root of that, at the core of that was really, who am I? And why Why do I feel so guilty for liking girls? You know what I'm saying? Or that, that alone, that uh, demonizing, you know, children for something that literally is natural. I didn't go get it. I wasn't looking for it. Yeah. It was literally something that was that was already in me that I suppressed to make other people feel comfortable. Yeah. You know, um, that still weighs on me today because I'm still healing from it. And uh, my girlfriend now, she jokes with me and she says, you're so homophobic because <laughs> mm. she'll she'll say something or, you know, do something. And I'd be like, gay, like, I'll be like, that is so gay. Why are you, why are you being so gay? Like mm. for a long time, I struggled with even PDA. I live Mm -hmm. in Atlanta. This is the gayest city Mm -hmm. (laughs) in the South, you know? And so to even feel that, you know, is it okay for us to hold hands? I'm Mm -hmm. a grown ass woman. Mm -hmm. I'm Mm -hmm. I'm 35 years Mm -hmm. old. Why am I worried about who's watching me hold my girlfriend's hand or an embrace? Because if the, if the genders were reversed, if it was a heterosexual relationship, it would not only be embraced, but romanticized. Yeah like oh that's normal you're abnormal yeah like that never goes away no 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 it doesn't and and because it's like it's a part of like it's a part of your rearing it's like how you learn how to make rice or how you learn how to Mm -hmm. tie your shoes it's like you know when we have conversations all the time like 
really around race. And so like, I remember one time, one of my coworkers, it was only two of us that were black at my job. And um, she was like, uh, they, she was having a conversation at another table about um, coleslaw. And so she comes over to me and she's like, did y'all, did y'all have coleslaw? Like when you was growing up, she asking me, like nah like we ain't no coleslaw right like nah and she's like yeah and so then we had this whole conversation about how she she had coleslaw as an adult and was like no like it's actually really good but like we grow up with these things and i'm looking at her like hell no we ain't had no like we don't do that yeah like what (laughs) on lettuce that's crazy right so like (laughs) even when you get a burger like nah take that mayonnaise off that tartar all on none of that on my you know what i'm saying but these things that we grow up with and a part of that is how we feel about certain things, how we feel about sexuality, how you feel about you. You know, I remember early on hearing things like when you see Prince or Michael Jackson wearing tight pants, oh, that's I'm faggy. you know, you hear these things, these like microaggressions against, uh, you know, a, a group of people. And it's like, well, damn, like if I tell you I'm gay, then how you what you about to say to me, you know, mm-hmm. and even as adults, you still have those thoughts. You still have those menta- that mentality, even after coming out and being fully accepting of yourself, it still never goes away, you know? And so just the acknowledgement of it and being like, yeah, like every day that's still a, a struggle. It's, it's very, very real, you know? So I, I definitely understand that. Um, speaking of work, um, there's, you know, obviously coming out, to the world and coming out in your personal life and being able to have your relationship and, you know, function outside of work, but then there's work and there's what sexuality looks like at work. Um, you know, for me, uh, by day, I'm a, you know, a finance professional. And I remember even when I started my career, I used to wear a weave. I used to wear skirts. I used to wear like full business attire. Like I was that person because I went to a, I went to a black college. They were like, you got to look like this. You got to be like this. You got to be the best. You got to blah, 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 blah. So the concept of even wearing jeans on Friday was crazy to me. Like, so that's where I (laughs) originated from. So then you know, okay, now I got to get off this business casual. I got to get off this business attire, full suit thing in finance and wear jeans. Okay. That's one thing. Okay. Now people are like, oh, so, um, I see you flying to California all the time. Like, who are you going to see? Mm. I'm going to see my girlfriend, but like, that's not something I'm talking about at work. Right. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. I'm not opening up that conversation to my workplace. So, you know, overcoming that process of like, okay, now people want to know about my sexuality at work and then I cut my hair and now I wear polos and now I wear chino pants with loafers and okay whole, Come on, uh, right? the whole, <laughs> but but just the over 10 years the transition from like a weave in a suit <laughs> to now my hair is shaved on the sides chino pants polo shirt right mm-hmm. um was a whole journey um Talk about your journey of, you know, evolving in your career, especially being that your image is a part of it. And not that your image is necessarily tied to your sexuality, but in some cases, the two intermingle and people ask questions. What was oh, that journey been for everything. you? Yeah. Image is everything. People are shallow. Okay. Mm-hmm. I work in television. It's all about how you look. It's all about how you look and how you sound. What up? It's your host, Ashley, and I'm interrupting this podcast to ask, are you following us? 
Have you downloaded the podcast? Are you subscribed to us on YouTube? If you're not already, go ahead and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Follow us on all platforms, Queerly Black. I'm going to let y'all get back to the show. Peace. Um, there's some times when I, right now, I go stare at my closet and there's still some leftovers of who <laughs> I used to be. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. And I'm like, I used to be this girl who wore dresses every day. And I, I used to be this girl who, you know, always had a weave or, you know, like, like you always had my hair done, had a different hairstyle every two weeks. Mm-hmm. I was very proud of that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Lean into my creativity. Even that was weird for white people. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But they think I, a new person walking through the door every two weeks. They like, oh, wait a minute. Oh, look at you. Is this? Look at you, Wanda Sykes. Right. Look at you, Macy <laughs> Gray. And I was right. like, don't y'all know other Black people right. with natural hair? You know? All right, no, Michelle they, Obama. They did not, you know. Um, but for me, I, I had a lot of fear around that. I also went to a Black college, proud graduate of Florida A&M University. I studied broadcast journalism. H U. And uh, come on now. Come on now. It's the HBCU love in here. 100% A. I ain't even going to come for you. Um, but I too felt like I had to be married to this Eurocentric view because they teach you in journalism school, you know, how to look, mm-hmm. how to sound, you know, how to, you know, assimilate, you know. And so that also causes a lot of damage. I remember coming out to a, a mentor who was trying to hook me up with her nephew. Cause she, you know, was really invested in my career and who I was as a person, but she did not know that thing about me. She did. That was my, that's my secret that mm-hmm. like, no, only like my friends know, but I had to tell her, you know, professor, you know, I'm, I'm gay. Mm-hmm. And that was a part of the liberation that was, you know, while I was in college, there's a lot to be said, you know, at any college, but definitely the HBCU about diversity of thought yeah, and diversity of experience. Cause while I grew up in a small white town in Florida, going to FAMU was culture shock. For yeah. Me. There are a lot of black people here. Yeah, <laughs> I am overwhelmed, but there were yeah. a lot of black people there living their truth. Okay, whatever that looked like. And so that was really the first time I saw openly gay Black people who were proud of being gay and Black. You know, that's something I'm just stepping into that outfit. You know, I'm just you know, feeling, okay, How I need to get this tailored a little bit, mm-hmm. but this, this outfit is for me too. Yeah. That pride is for me too. And so I, I know that there are certain environments that I walk into now where people look at me differently. Whereas I would have walked in 10 years ago, you know, in a suit or a dress, and there would have been a different level of respect that I commanded. Yeah. I still command that respect, but now I'm, I'm more aware of, of the judgment and the bias that goes on, even working remotely. You know, there, there was a job that I had where, you know, I cut my hair and I noticed how one of the administrators started to treat me differently. The more I leaned into my, my sexuality, you know, I don't really like, I don't really like labels, but I know that I'm not as feminine presenting as I used to be. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? I'm still, you know, a, a soft, you know, femme, girl but there's a there's some masculinity that comes with that too and it's all beautiful yeah it's all a part of me but I am very aware that that is not accepted you Mm -hmm. know or or widely accepted there are some spaces where it is but it's not widely accepted in my industry yeah yeah no for sure for sure and how's that um how do you feel about just whether it's your own personal experience or just the general landscape of um being in, you know, TV, 
for queer people in general? You know, what are what are your thoughts on opportunities and just the um, the space that we that it lives in today? I think that sometimes you got to be the change you want to see, and I can't even name right now a black queer masculine ish woman. You know, anybody a gay black female journalist who's on TV right now. I can't name one. I can tell you some guys, but I can't Mm -hmm. tell you about the women. Cause I think Mm -hmm. even when it comes to that, there's still a Eurocentric expectation, or, you know, even if you are natural on TV, you still got to be able to press your hair. And so Mm -hmm. for me, I've leaned more into entertainment, you know, in journalism, you either are that hardcore investigative journalist or you're an entertainment journalist or sports journalist. They're not, you know, a lot of options, but for me, leaning into entertainment meant being able to discover my voice in comedy. That's not only helped me be more confident in my sexuality, but in my womanhood, you know, in my, in my profession, I'm still a great writer. Being a great writer is what made me a great journalist. You know, yeah. and so it makes me a great producer. It's now what makes me a great comedian. And so I'm creating a lane, you know, um, a path for myself. Cause I don't see that. I don't see that clearly right now. I don't see somewhere where I'm like, oh, I want to be like her. Maybe Rosie O'Donnell, but she white, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Love Rosie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And how dope is she on uh, the L word now? Oh my gosh. That's L word so, generation so- Q. I love that. That's that's a liber- that's art right there. That's that art. might not be journalism, you know, but mm-hmm. that is definitely entertainment and it's definitely a place for representation. And I I want to commend the writers of that show for how much the L word has evolved. Mm-hmm. I remember binging, you know, six seasons of the L word mm-hmm. just looking for somebody who looked like me. Mm-hmm. Looking for a story that looked like mine, like, and, and what does gay look like? And what mm-hmm. does, you know, you know, trans look like? What does the mm-hmm. community look like? I don't have a lot of gay friends. So I mm-hmm. didn't really know. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't know what that looked like. But going yeah. from, you know, what, 15 years ago when they first did a word to now being able to see how not only have the characters evolved, but the community has evolved. Yeah. There's so many, you know, people uh, so many more people at play now, so many roles being included. And I love that. My girlfriend said it best the other day, we were watching L Word, of course. And she said, we wouldn't be able to appreciate these characters and the show the way that we do if the writers and creators weren't also living in their truth. 100%. And that's the kind of of creator I want to be. Absolutely. 100%. I, I love the L Word. I think I've always loved the L Word from way back you know, uh, when it first, you know, came out, I've always loved it. And I, I think, um, obviously it's, it's not necessarily a black show. Um, but I think that as a queer person, you definitely identify with those characters and, and you find your, you find, I, I find, you find little pieces of yourself in all of them. Like you find like, you know, me and my wife are definitely Tina and Bet. We're like, you know, the just career professionals just got, who's you know. Who's Bet and who's Tina? Uh, That's the great I'm debate. Bet. I'm Bet. Yeah, That's I'm the bet great debate. Sure. I'm Bet. I'm Bet. 
the, yeah. I identify as an Alice Piazeki. Okay. I, I feel Alice. like if I really could like yeah. truly live my dream, I would be a black Alice Piazeki. Like I yeah. love the, the gay talk show, the platform for the community. And that Alice has always been Alice. Okay. Alice she been. has not changed. Alice but her is my fashion favorite game, character on the show. Her, her, her fashion, fashion is on, on 10. Leveled up. On I 10. want every suit. I want everything they put her in. Like On 10. I never thought I'd be an Alice. I'm an Alice. Yeah. Yeah, Alice is my favorite. She's always been my favorite character. When Tasha came along, Tasha became my favorite character, but you know. Tasha. Alice is Alice is Alice is the one. Yeah. The, I, I thought, well, I ain't gonna I won't talk say too much about the show, but um when she had her little revelation. Oh, I think weeks, we can bring her back. I think they're gonna bring her back. They please. brought uh they they brought old girl back from the dead. So I know. Oh, yeah. I know they can bring Tasha, Tasha come back. on, man. Y'all I'm got ready. to bring Tasha. I think the fans is like, y'all, hey, Please. come on. Y'all could y'all could y'all could put Tina back. But <laughs> let's start swapping out these old ones now. Let's let's, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I I am with it. I'm with it. I love I love Tasha. So I hope she I hope Tasha is who they who they um hitting that is coming back. Mm-hmm. I, I really do. Um nice, man. Well, yeah, so definitely um I think that one of the things I wanted to talk about as far as like career and, you know, this whole representation thing is comedy. So you're, you're in comedy. Um, one, talk about what sparked that for you coming from a journalism background um, and how, how it's been going so far. Oh my God. I, I love comedy. Comedy yeah. has been everything to me these last uh, two and a half years I've been doing stand-up officially, but I was always trying to be funny. I was always <laughs> trying to crack a joke at a journalism conference or in the newsroom. And let's just say it was inappropriate. You know, there <laughs> needed to be another platform, another outlet for the creativity. At one point I was writing a blog on the side, my first job uh, when I was, I was working in Fort Myers at a local TV station. And that was my outlet. I wrote a blog, you know, I wrote a, bro- a blog about about weight loss, you know, and I was just kind of making fun of myself um, and kind of how I always had this dream of being a stripper, but now I've, you know, gained this weight and, you know, my body looks a little different. So I'm teaching, <laughs> you know, I did. I became a teacher. I went to get the strip club application. Uh-huh. You didn't know they had applications. Uh, they do. They do. I thought it was just auditions. <laughs> no, they <laughs> Open you gotta, call, be, you gotta be 1099. They gotta uh, put you on. Yeah, on they gotta put you on. Yeah. So <laughs> there, there is an application process, but I ended up teaching. So comedy has always been for me. I would say even going back to church, the first play I ever wrote for church was hilarious. It was great. Brave reviews. The critics love me. Uh, and by critics, I mean the congregation. congregation. <laughs> <laughs> they loved it. They encouraged it. And I, I think what really gave me permission to lean more into comedy was writing my book. Um, Everybody Knows the Power of Being in a Position. I published that book uh, in 2018. I wrote the book in eight days, published and released in 90. And it was just like, here y'all go. And so the book is a little trauma mixed with comedy. People tell me they go from laughing to crying, back laughing, back crying. It's an emotional roller coaster. And that pretty much sums up my personality. So (laughs) I was like, I want to do more of that. What would it look like? So in 2020, uh, you know, height of the pandemic, 
I walked into an open mic at a lesbian bar in Atlanta Mm -hmm. and just gave it a try. Mm -hmm. I just gave it a try. And since then, I have been able to perform at other clubs in Atlanta, Atlanta Comedy Theater, Uptown Comedy, Laughing Skull. Um, I've even traveled with stand-up as well. Just like whenever I'm I'm on a conference or something, I always look for a mic nearby because that's just, it's so fun to me to see how other uh, demographics, uh, other communities respond to my comedy. So I performed in Las Vegas. I performed in Chicago, um, did a show in Philly. And the best part is I get to do comedy with my girlfriend. She's also a comedian. And so it's fun. It's I'm that's having lit. the time of my life. Yeah, that's dope. That's dope. And and like, what, what did that jump, like in terms of like making that decision, right? Because this is, you know, something that's different. And, you know, I I can see the parallel, but some people would say like, oh, you know, that's a little bit different. What gave you the confidence to just be like, you know what, I'm gonna try this out. I'm funny. I'm funny. Like, (laughs) believing in yourself. (laughs) That's just what it is. Even when I didn't believe in myself, like I'm funny. I know Mm -hmm. even when I'm not trying to be, Mm -hmm. it's funny. So it's just, it's just who I am. It just naturally comes to me. And now I actually work on my writing so that I can be, you know, a master of the craft and just do it even more. But I tell people that it's not a pivot. It's, mm-hmm. it's an evolution. This, yeah. this is all a part of Georgia and nobody judging mm-hmm. Queen Latifah for doing, right. you know, comedy movies and then the equalizer. Mm-hmm. And then she sing jazz and she rap mm-hmm. a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, and she a cover girl. Nobody's mm-hmm. judging the queen. Mm-mm. Nobody's judging the queen collection. Mm-mm. She's all of those things unapologetically and nobody questions her about it. Yeah. And so for me, I am, like you said, finding the confidence to walk in all these shoes you yeah. know i like shoes yeah. they got they're, they're more comfortable now because i'm not pretending that i like yeah. heels. you know yeah. what i'm saying amen <laughs> my knees are better my knees Man. are better the balls of my feet feel amazing you know what i'm saying the pedicure hit different it definitely de- definitely hits different <laughs> lasts a little longer <laughs> last a little longer um talk about the purpose producer oh man the purpose producer that's my baby um the purpose producer for me is who I want to be you know (laughs) I want to be this person who's always in position for others that's not realistic I'm not always where I'm supposed to be you know but I curate conversations around people who are you know or who strive to be Uh, the purpose producer is something that started after I wrote the book I had this spiritual call this this um, spiritual awakening in 2018 right before I wrote the book where God told me that I was more than a television producer. Cause my thing was God, who am I now? Like yeah. if I'm not, I, at the time I left a talk show that I helped create and produce. And that was at the, the call of God. God was calling me to something else. And I was like, if I'm not a television producer, then who am I? People don't even know how to introduce me to their friends because I'm their producer friend. And that's when God said to me, you're more than a television producer, you're a purpose producer. Whatever you put your hands on, you're extracting purpose from that thing. And so that's where it started. I just start calling myself the purpose producer. I'm going to walk in this anointing. You know what I'm saying? And then I started with apparel from there. I started with t-shirts and people started buying the shirts and I was like, oh, they really, you know, they, they support me. And so from there it evolved into the podcast. And so I'm three seasons into the purpose producer podcast. And honestly, I can say the best is yet to come. There's so much more I want to do with the purpose producer. Um, and she inspires me in every way. Yeah. That's dope. That's dope. What, um, 
what other kind of things can people get from Georgia Dawkins? First of all, get the book, okay? GeorgiaDawkins.com, don't even play. Uh, go get the book, all right? I'm an author. Tell um, them the title also, again. <laughs> everybody knows the power of being in position. Everybody knows. And so that's available on my website. I'll even sign a copy for you. Um, you can expect more television, you know, more, more uh, production projects. You know, I'm doing comedy. I'll also uh, help run a remote production company, uh, company. And what I'm not doing that, I'm freelance producing. So in 2020, I did a true crime show for TV One a few months ago. I did a midterm election special for the Grio. So you never know where you're going to find me. You never know. And you never know what to expect because I have so many resources in my toolbox from journalism to comedy, you know, to just connecting with people overall. The thing that you can expect from me is to continue connecting with people and curating conversations around purpose. Yeah, dope, man. Well, look, we're going to play real quick. We're going to play a little game of this or that. Oh, so real quick, we're just going to go through a few a few little scenarios <laughs> you just tell me which one you would pick um and then we're gonna get out of here okay. so laundry or cooking cooking every time All no right. laundry Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> what's your favorite meal to cook my favorite meal to cook is breakfast because i'm always getting creative with it okay and don't let me watch a tiktok because i'm gonna hit it with Uh-oh. a remix okay Uh-oh. uh but breakfast is my favorite i make a bean french toast okay play with me boom there you go <laughs> day at the spa or watching sports all day day at the spa girl don't play with me sports i am not that gay okay the <laughs> other lesbians be like you don't watch basketball you don't watch the WNBA, and i'd be like no, no. <laughs> I, i'll be at the spa you know i will be getting a deep tissue massage from a tiny tiny woman from a tiny woman <laughs> short hair or long hair short hair oh my god the best decision i've ever made was cutting my hair. Oh my God, so much freedom and just being able to get up and go. I've gotten so much time back just from mm-hmm. cutting my hair. There's mm-hmm. so much freedom here. Yeah. Um, lipstick or lip gloss? Lipstick. This is the lip bar, okay? We call this rich auntie, all right? Rich auntie. <laughs> She's rich. an influencer, honey. She's an influencer. Hey, uh, pay the bill or have her pay? You know what? I'm really torn on that because I don't really want to be the man in the relationship, but my girlfriend does a great job of doing our monthly expenses and that just takes weight off my shoulders. All I have to do is, you know, pay my half. (laughs) So I'll say 50-50. Sports bra or underwire bra? You know, they be sitting, you know? So I don't really know. The sports bra is so so comfortable but if I'm like leaving the house or I'm doing a you know a little interview with you mm-hmm. I put on my good bra this is from Soma okay they Soma. say it. yeah they say it. I'm gonna get I'm gonna go for the wire they make some fibers now though with the with the, <laughs> you know saying? the strong lift without the you know what I mean mm-hmm. but the wire is not no no replacing the wire um pillow princess or I'm on top <laughs> you can plead the fifth um i've never been a princess you know my first my well my second girlfriend was a pillow princess and i didn't know what that was i thought she was trying to be funny i was like so you're not you're not gonna do any work i was like i don't like it i don't like it needless to say we didn't last boom there you go 
All right. Well, there you go. You guys just learned a little bit more about Georgia Dawkins in about five seconds, <laughs> five minutes. <laughs> Good, man. Well, tell the people where they can find you. You can find me at Georgia Dawkins on Instagram or georgiadawkins.com. You can also find me at The Purpose Producer on social media. Um, and definitely subscribe to my podcast, The Purpose Producer. Yes, man. Well, listen, Georgia, I'm so excited that you came. I had a great time talking to you. Y'all go check Georgia out, The Purpose Producer. She's a comedian. She's a writer. She's a producer. She's an author. Go to her Instagram, all of her links, everything that you need. I'm going to link everything about her below so y'all can go check her out. It's a great woman. 2023 is the best is yet to come. Georgia, thank you again. To y'all, y'all already know, I'm Ashley, y'all host. This is another episode of the Talk Show. I'll catch y'all on the next one. Peace.